This is WTOP reporter Nick Ionelli, and today we're talking with Army Colonel Luke Donahue. He's a defense coordinating officer with the Army, and that means he plays a critical role in organizing and executing missions where the Army steps in to help authorities on the local level. So, Colonel, thank you so much for uh, everything you do. Thank you for your service to the country. And let's talk about what you do in helping local authorities in the event of a disaster. I think it's uh, critically important as the Joint Forces Land Component Command that we are uh, the headquarters that brings in all of the folks that work on the in the land, on the land as a domain, land, air, sea, cyberspace, right? So when it comes to working with people in communities, the state, local level, whatnot, in in the duties, roles, and functions that I serve in under Army North, um, the Army really is the service that can bring the resources, the people, and the expertise to the point of need, uh, I believe, is wrapped more rapidly um, than the other services. And is there any reason you can think of that that would be, that it would bring those resources together more rapidly than the other services? Well, I think specific to, um, you know, like the Homeland Defense and the Defense Support for Civil Authorities mission that U.S. Army North has, they're not only, you know, uh, tasked with this mission uh, by U.S. NORTHCOM, but um, they're assigned forces uh, with under Army North to include the defense coordinating elements like the ones I lead are at the I, I think at the at the point of impact where the point of impact is. And so we see the immediate need where we're able to articulate that need to our headquarters and there they are able them through headquarters, Department of the Army and Forces Command to be able to task out U.S. Army forces that are here in the continental United States and move them rapidly to the point of need. Now, um, depending on what the specific mission is, um, if we come up under the Joint Forces Land Component Command construct, that means that, uh, you know, we could basically have operational control of forces from the different services to employ um, to whatever the need might be. Can you explain some recent uh, activities or recent events that uh, that have required the Army, and especially the things that you do, that have required a response from the Army that we may have heard about? Can you explain some like recent things that, that we could uh, put in perspective? Yeah, sure. Let me put this in perspective. So um, I've been in this job about two years, and um, so if you think back two years ago, we were at the... Um, sort of a month or two into the COVID uh, pandemic. And uh, we had recently repatriated uh, U.S. diplomats out of Wuhan um, and brought them into California and uh, ensured that they were, you know, well taken care of and moved on. Um, Quickly following that, though, um, you know, we entered the wildland firefighting sort of season, right? So there's a lot of a lot of history of doing firefighting out here in, in the western part of the United States, California specifically. Um, and when the fires of 2020 uh, got to a level in which the uh, National Interagency Fire Center, um, who kind of is the lead federal agency for federal firefighting, could no longer provide resources, 
they asked under a, a memorandum of, a, of agreement with the U.S. Army for um, U.S. Army soldiers to deploy in support of, a, of firefighting. And so we were able from notification within 10 days to have 250 soldiers come from outside of our region, from Washington State, come down into Northern California and for 30 days assist with the firefighting in the Mendocino National Forest. We also had, um, because Army North at that point, due to COVID operations, was a Joint Forces Land Component Command, was able to bring in the U.S. Marine Corps um, to support uh, fires in the Sierra National Forest in central Southern California. So simultaneous with COVID response operations where we had U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in support, we had the Joint Services in support providing facilities and medical personnel to respond to COVID, we also had U.S. Army and Marine Corps uh, soldiers and Marines uh, providing firefighting support uh, to fires here in California. So that's just a one example. Um, later on, and in, in when we, in my particular region, we were responsible for standing up the first federally supported vaccine uh, center. Uh, we established that on Cal State East Los Angeles in East LA. We brought 220 soldiers out of Fort Carson, Colorado, uh, down to East Los Angeles, and for uh, 60 days provided vaccinations to um, those communities, you know, um, that were challenged in receiving vaccines. Those ones that uh, were viewed as, you know, like the black and brown communities and, and those immigrant communities um, where the federal government was focusing equity on in terms of getting vaccines out to those communities. So those are just kind of three big highlights in terms of, of COVID to fires to vaccine centers where the Army has demonstrated a, an ability to rapidly deploy forces out to support local communities. Especially when you think about technology innovations over the past decade or so, can you explain how uh, that has impacted the Army's ability to approach and respond to these kinds of situations that you're referring to? Right. I mean, it's all about communication, right? So, um, you know, it, when it comes to the defense support to civil authorities mission, you know, uh, the fact that we are, you know, um, a network-enabled force uh, allows us to get information from and provide information to those organizations and units that we deploy and to keep communications, in my view, flat, you know, flat across the board. That means in real time, um, communications going horizontally and vertically up to up through to the leadership so they can make, you know, information, uh, resource and risk informed decisions uh, to make sure that we're able to get the right organization to the right place at the right time with the right capability, right? And so when you're talking about whether that's um, internet capability, whether that's uh, um, just the different types of software we're using now um, through networks to input data into so that commanders can have a, have a synthesized output that 
provides that, that them that information in real time. Um, those are some of the things that I've observed, um, particular like wildland firefighting operations in particular, we were able to use um, some pretty interesting handheld devices that were able to be used almost like SMS, you know, like texting machines when our soldiers were in places where our standard military radios did not have effective line of sight or the or the smoke was so dense that we used this technology called Shout Nano that was able to basically uh, ensure that we could mitigate risk and have, reach out and touch, you know, commanders on the ground um, in real time through like an SMS capability. Um, so that was really useful from a force protection issue and a risk mitigation issue. And then in the hospitals, where we had our soldier sailors, uh, airmen and um, out there, you know, the, the medical forces that we deployed, they were using, um, you know, they had iPhones and iPads with them where they were inputting this specific data we requested from them daily. And then across the joint operational area, that aggregated into a synthesized common operating picture for the commanders and it was really useful. When you think about the coming years, is there anything you hope for or you anticipate in terms of technological innovations that might make your job easier or, or make some of these things uh, more streamlined? You know, I think in the defense support civil authority space, um, you know, uh, Technological enhancements obviously will make uh, our ability to communicate a little bit more streamlined, uh, kind of take away the um, the fog, if you will, of being able to get the real-time information where it needs to be or um, whether that's, say, UAV that is looking at uh, fire damage, being able to transmit it to the firefighter on the ground or whether that's, you know, a soldier or commander on the ground being able to provide information up to the higher level headquarters. But in the homeland defense space, um, which is Army North's number one priority, I think, in you know, continuing enhancing communication technologies um, and other capabilities obviously will make uh, the ability to protect the homeland that much more um, of a, you know, let's just say, less of a risk, if you will, in protecting the homeland, as long as we continue to secure our technologies and, and get better capability. Can you explain the importance of coordinating with uh, state and local partners, especially you were mentioning uh, the wildfires over there and, and even some of the pandemic stuff. Uh, how, how does the Army go about coordinating with state and local partners, and how important is it to have that communication line open with those folks? Well, the Army does it by having organizations like the defense, coordinate, defense coordinating element that falls under U.S. Army North. And so across the entire United States, they have 10 defense coordinating elements, which are led by U.S. Army colonels. Uh, and in our organizations, we are charged with maintaining those relationships with FEMA and the interagency uh, at the state and local level um, to make sure that we have... Uh, very good relationships with the FEMA regional administrator, with the state emergency manager, um, and that's across the interagency. So you're talking about fire, police, National Guard, 
uh, and so on and so forth. And then down at the county level as well, uh, we uh, are charged to kind of understand who are the, you know, the head emergency managers and key personnel at sort of the most critical um, areas where we forecast there could be kind of a higher level threat, like a Southern California earthquake or uh, Cascadian subduction zone earthquake or wildfires or, or so on and so forth. And so what we do as defense coordinating officers is we maintain, um, you know, deep, we create and then maintain sustained deep relationships from the federal to state local level across the entire interagency. And that's what the, that's what the army does to ensure that they have those relationships, you know, full time all the time. And my last question for you, just broadly speaking, I'm hearing you talk about all of these different things. Uh, like I said, just the, the pandemic, wildfires, and you just mentioned earthquakes. There are so many different possibilities, so many different uh, potential emergencies that you have to respond to. How does how does the Army go about just having the, the capability and having the training to deal with all of these different things, all of these different possibilities? How is it possible for you know, for for you guys to get your arms around all of these different, very different sort of things that you have to deal with and encounter? Is it just training? Well, you know, it, it's not as simple as that, but I, I would say, you know, um, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, trained uh, firefighters, if you will. We don't have trained earthquake responders. What we do have, though, is uh, very effective command and control. And we do have a range of enabling capabilities uh, across uh, the U.S. Army and the Joint Force that are primarily trained for homeland defense um, and are, you know, our obligation to remain ready for our warfighting responsibilities. But when we're called to respond to defense support to civil authorities, um, we can rapidly train soldiers to, say, perform uh, duties of a type one wildland firefighter. Um, so we can do that within a week. So we deploy 250 soldiers. They go through, you know, a total of you know, five to seven days of training, and then they're able to perform the specific duties of a type one uh, federal firefighter to support, you know, the U.S. Forest Service. Um, when it comes to say giving vaccines out, well, we don't have, you know, every soldier in the army does not to give a vaccine, but we deploy those soldiers that, um, do have those skills at the, like a combat medic level, all the way up to like U S army nurses who can then supervise and train soldiers to give those types of things. When it comes to say earthquake response, um, we don't have earthquake responders or hurricane responders, but we do have, a range of capabilities from, you know, engineer cap engineering capability or high water vehicle capability or helicopter, you know, aviation capability that can um, do a range of operations across the spectrum of disaster response, right? And so it comes from having, you know, uh, a lot of experience in, um, you know, uh, rapidly training and deploying to address crises across the spectrum of operations. And we have very effective command and control mission command um, from our highest echelons down to the ground where our, you know, 
our young sergeants are able to lead their their fire teams to execute whatever mission they're they're given. So again, going back to the beginning of the answer, it's it's all about our readiness, and our readiness is really focused on our wartime uh, responsibilities and functions, uh, focused on um, you know deploying wherever the the president deploys us to. Um, and for U.S. Army North, it is really focused about homeland defense, but our secondary mission, if required, is to do the DISCA mission, right? Which I got to tell you, and I know this is the last question, but I want to close with this, is that um, having never done defense support to civil authorities uh, missions in my 33-year career, when I came to this particular job, I tell you, there's nothing more important in my mind than um, being able to see U.S. Army soldiers on the ground helping their local, you know, they're lo- basically helping their own citizens out in a crisis, right? They go to get into go into U.S. towns and U.S. communities and and see, um, you know, what they've done and how they're relieving, um, you know, those communities of you know the, the pain and the suffering they're going through. Um, whether that's at a hospital level or in a, in a community you know, suffered a wildland fire uh, fire or whatnot, um, it's really a powerful uh, experience uh, to be involved with. And um, and every soldier or sailor or marine that has executed these missions, and I know I feel very proud. They should take a lot of pride in, in anything that they if they've ever had an opportunity to, to execute a mission like that. It's it's. Uh, it's an incredible experience. So, All right, sir. Well, uh, Colonel Donahue, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for the call.